Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Crypto Sapiens. And today we are talking with CryptoWitch, founder of ZeroXX, a community and education hub that empowers all women with the tools they need to confidently navigate the Web3 ecosystem. We kick off our discussion by exploring CryptoWitch's own crypto journey, which started in 2017 with Bitcoin and Ethereum. She shares how she went from learning about crypto to building workshops for friends and then launching ZeroXX. ZeroXX has now hosted four cohorts across 14 countries. I found the programs that they developed to onboard underserved communities, such as refugees and incarcerated people through NFTs and dev skills, especially inspiring. So without further ado, let's get started. First, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to connect with you all and share more about ZeroXX. Um, the name CryptoWitch, I wish I had maybe considered a little more carefully like what um, the impact of choosing a, a name and like a .eth name was going to have on my uh, Web3 and crypto future. I, it was kind of like a joke. It was like the first thing I thought of. And I was like, okay, I'll, I, I went with it. Um, and now I'm like, do I still love that name? <laughs> um, but I, I think it works. It's representative and it's fun. Uh, so how I got into this space, um, I first bought tokens in 2017, the blue chips, kind of the classics, if you will, what was around at the time. And um, I didn't really think much about it again, to be honest, until DeFi summer, summer of 2020, when so much was happening and happening very quickly. It was pretty exciting, pretty overwhelming, uh, confusing, but I could tell that there was something potentially really important happening. And I was seeing the opportunities in regard to yield generation. And it got me really thinking about how an idea that I had been thinking about for years and years might actually be able to work in this space using new tooling. Um, we can maybe talk a little bit more about like what that idea was if you want to go into it. But needless to say, I fell deep down the rabbit hole and here we are today. Um, and yeah, and then I started ZeroXX, which I know we're going to get into. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, so I want to maybe explore a little bit about that background in terms of, you know, getting these blue chip um, DeFi tokens back in 2017. What was, I guess, what would you consider a blue chip? You don't have to go through your entire portfolio, but like, what were you seeing then? And maybe uh, look at it again from the lens of 2020 when DeFi certainly had a huge moment. What did you see? Like, what were some of the difference from your first experience where you were just kind of maybe collecting some of these tokens to when they, the actual utility of DeFi exploded? 
Well, I mean, I bought ETH and Bitcoin back in 2017. I didn't know. I mean, that's what the person who told me that to get into crypto, they were like, buy ETH and Bitcoin. I was like, okay, I bought some. And then when DeFi summer happened, like I said, I hadn't really been involved in the space. I mean, very low level kind of keeping track of everything. And it was really the DeFi applications that were being built on top of Ethereum specifically at the time that were, I just, I don't know, like I said, I could see all the potential, but what really got me in and it really, really was from like an idealistic perspective was seeing how this could be used for good. And to think of a project specifically in 2020 was YGG and everything they were doing with Axie and how they were helping people generate income that had lost their jobs because of COVID and the Philippines and how they were helping them um, not only um, recoup the income that they had lost from temporarily losing their jobs, but for the first time actually make more money and for the first time actually begin to think about investing and saving for a lot of these people. And that's when I was like, okay, there's something bigger here than just like investing. Cause that would, you know, that would, I can invest at that point, I could invest in the stock market. It wasn't really that interesting to me. I don't come from a financial background. It was much more, again, just the, the potential and the possibilities that pulled me in. Um, obviously, COVID had a huge impact across the world, both in terms of people's health, mental health, you know, physical health, uh, their uh, maybe financial health because they were maybe losing their, their work or maybe they were just having to work too much in some areas. You know, so you saw this, but there was something there that to you was more interesting than maybe what the traditional market was opening up to people in terms of what crypto represented, right? And in terms of the type of technologies that were being built. And maybe the, the reason why DeFi was so big, you know, the, the beginning of that. How did that kind of inform some of your thinking, uh, you know, from what you were seeing happening, uh, you know, across the entire Web3 space? What were you seeing that really informed your thinking and said, look, there's a place for me here beyond just, you know, investing in some of these really in interesting projects to build zero xx at the time to be honest like zero xx wasn't even a thought and to go back to ygg as far as like what i was seeing i you know i have to say i'm super grateful to gabby he's on the founder of ygg because he actually just got on the phone with me i was like i have this idea i have no idea how any of this works will you talk to me about it and he was like sure <laughs> and like i don't even think i had my hardware wallet set up then or you know, this is very, very early day. I mean, it was 2020 though, you know, not that long ago. And he got on the phone with me and he was like, yeah, this sounds like a great idea. And again, this wasn't XX. The idea I had was actually, um, so for a long time I had, I lived in New York City for 10 years. And when you live in New York City, you know a lot of uh, performers, actors, actresses, you, learn, you know a lot of bartenders and waitresses. And, you know, it's kind of getting to that age where we were thinking, you know, my friends and I were like, do we want to have kids? Do we not want to have kids? Some of us did want to have kids. And, um, but we're, you know, when you I economically identify as a freelancer, again, being a musician or a graphic designer or a, a waitress, there's no safety nets. And so I just didn't see how my friends and I, who I identified as economic freelancers, were going to be able to have children um, in, in a nourishing way. Like, look, I saw on the subway every single day, parents were doing it and they were surviving and they very often didn't look like they were thriving. And so I know it's possible. But I wanted to know how it was possible, again, to be nourishing for the child, for the family, and for the community. 
And I always had this dream of some type of like investment slash insurance hybrid mechanism that could create a safety net for new mothers that economically identified as freelancers, but I didn't know how it could ever work. And then 2020 happened and I saw these yield generating mechanisms and I was like, okay, maybe this could actually work for once. This kind of some, again, this hybrid kind of insurance investment mechanism. And that's the idea. I got on the phone with Gabby about and he said, go for it. And I kind of just fell down the rabbit hole chasing that. Long story short, how that all comes back to zero XX. Um, I started learning everything I possibly could about crypto and DeFi and Web3. And I started talking about it with everybody I knew, especially all my girlfriends. And um, a lot of them were like, oh, you should teach about this. You should teach about this. You're so passionate about it. You know so much. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want to teach about this. Um, And then one day I had the same conversation with three different girlfriends in a row at three different times. And honestly, I was just really sick of repeating myself. And so I was like, okay, I need to package this in a way that is one to many rather than one to one for just my own sake of efficiency and of my time. And that's how Zero XX came to be. It started off as a very humble workshop for my friends and my family and my friends' friends and some people who follow me on social media. And and that's where it started. And we um, and we've been just growing ever since then. That's wonderful. I mean, I, I really like you know to kind of hear the process from when someone's just themselves getting started, finding a fit for you know who they are and what they want to bring into the space, falling into that rabbit hole to learn how they can be of service to this community, building out slowly you know these really valuable experiences for people to join, learn, and do so in a, in a, in a safe way, right? Because I mean, I think that there's other ways people could probably get involved and uh, go about doing some of that themselves. But there, it's a, it's a pretty complex and, um, you know, a tricky space to navigate, especially if you don't know, you know, the right people to talk to. So it's really wonderful to hear kind of that very intentional process to Zero XX. So maybe walk us through then kind of some of the early developments over at Zero XX. You were talking about these really, you know, maybe smaller scale events for onboarding and educating women? Because it sounds like the the focus was women, right? 100%. Our focus is definitely women. We have had a lot of interest from male allies in this space. And I have, you know, we have let the community vote on whether or not we are, we do allow male allies in the space. And that's taken on a case by case um, basis every time we offer the educational workshops. So... What has it grown into? I mean, it started off as just like, you know, a Zoom call with some presentations. Um, and it was very um, humble. And, I, you know, to be honest, I just really, it was like hanging out with your friends talking about crypto, which we all love to do. And I was like, I want more, I want more of my friends to know about this. So I have somebody to talk to. <laughs> because at the time, you know, I, I think I probably had just joined crypto Twitter. Like I didn't really have a lot of people to talk to about it. And I didn't expect it to have as much interest or demand as it did and how everyone was so excited after the workshops and telling everyone, okay, when's the next one? When's the next one? And, you know, that very like organic word of mouth process, which has always been my favorite. Um, So that, I think it was originally like 
I don't remember it. Maybe it was like a two hour workshop or something. And now it's over 10 hours for the introductory workshop. And we have over, I would say at least another 10 hours of evergreen content that our community can access anytime for continuing education. We, and then what we already have banked in our library, we also have at least three continuing education events every month. So that's usually when uh, expert speakers from the crypto web three DeFi space come into the community and teach what they're experts at, whether that is a concept or a protocol or um, some type of tool or application. And then we've also built out a quick like how to reference library. So when you're teaching someone how to use a wallet or do anything in the crypto space in a live workshop format, like they can take notes and you can provide additional resources. But when they actually go to do it themselves, sometimes they're like, okay, wait, how am I supposed to do this again? So we built a video resources library that anyone can access at any time that has five minute videos or less. So they're very short and very quick for how to do the most basic crypto transactions for newcomers. And then we have a million other things going on as well. <laughs> So it's really just keeps growing. Uh, I'm always surprised at what we're building next because I don't, we don't really have an agenda. We really do like source everything from the community, all of our inspiration from the community. I mean, I think that's one of the wonderful things about this space, isn't it? Is that, yeah, certainly I think your vision uh, and your experience and kind of, you know, how that helps mold the initial product or project uh, is important. It's very valuable. Um, but then there's also that element of community, right? To your point earlier, it's very different from maybe traditional finance or just traditional Web2 structures where the input from that community is not just more valuable, but it's definitely kind of a bigger part of how we operate. You know, an example is like what we do at CryptoSafety is very similarly is we are exploring ways to not just delegate work, but also decentralize the project because there is that intention that there is value in, in not just engaging your community, but doing so in meaningful ways to ensure that what you're building is uh, useful and of service to the community that you intend to serve. You you talked here about you know growing demand from that uh, initial uh, iteration of the project early on. You know what were maybe some of the things you were hearing from people who were coming in and either wanting to contribute to the project or uh, wanting to learn more. You know how were you engaging those individuals and you know how were, what were some of the things that they were saying that was important to them to kind of become more crypto native? Oh, yeah, I love this question because it's it's the answer is so fun. Um, I mean, in the beginning, it was a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, just like talking to community members and asking like, what's working, what's not working, what do we need more of? Like, how do you like asking about what excited them and how they wanted to get involved. And, you know, I think when people come into the space, they do want to contribute and, and to deposit their energy somewhere, but they aren't really sure of how the space works, especially to that point of decentralization that you were speaking to. Right now, I would say we have every intention of being more decentralized, but we do have a core team and we are centralized in that essence. But as we grow, we're slowly decentralizing as it makes sense. We are launching a loyalty program token. We are launching our token gated NFT membership in the next couple of months. And so those are going to help with some kind of those like governance, governance mechanism, et cetera. What I was hearing from the community, okay, this is the part I love talking about. So, okay, we've, we've done four cohorts now. We've had women from over 14 different countries. 
We have human rights lawyers, we have acupuncturists, we have moms, we have musicians, we have educators, we have, uh, the list is just so long, writers, we have investment bankers in our community, yoga instructors, and I could just like go on and on. And so when I was chatting with them, like, so for instance, you know, the human rights lawyer, you know, I was chatting with her and she's like, okay, I want to know how we make sure that underserved communities that are always left on kind of the outside have access to this education. So how do we get incarcerated individuals this Web3 education? Maybe it's there's so many art programs, like prison art programs that we could partner with and like teach them about NFTs and NFT creation process so that maybe they can generate income for savings when they are, when they can exit the system or for their families on the outside of the system or talking about how maybe getting them to develop dev skills, you know, and that kind of educational pipeline for people that are inside the system. And so that was one example of a, a community member looking through the lens of Web3 and seeing like, okay, how does this apply to my work that I'm already doing out in the real world? similar conversation I have with an educator from our community. That is what she knows. That is what she's an expert in. And she's like, okay, I want to know like what Web3 and crypto education looks like for kids. And after a long conversation with the community, we kind of came out to the side where that it really looks like teaching about kids about decentralization because that's the world that they're moving into. And a lot of us, you know, we didn't have, we don't really necessarily, unless we were very lucky, like have the skills like built in to us and into our programming to be able to quickly be able to uh, acclimate to a decentralized system. But the, these kids are going to be growing into that world. So it's like, how do we teach them about emotional intelligence that it takes in this space and to navigate these, you know, really new kind of ways of work? And how can we help kids, you know, have more sovereignty and ownership and let their interests guide them and learn about like new economic systems that are, they're going to be so, they're going to just grow up with them. They're not going to be like new or novel. They're never going to know like what came before. So it's like, how do we make sure that they are prepared for that? There's And there's just so many examples of the community, again, coming, bringing what they're experts in, looking through the lens of Crypto Web 3 and saying, okay, how does this apply to my work? There's just endless examples. And I love that ZeroXX, like one of the questions that like I have written on my wall and that we always are putting forth to the community is like, how can ZeroXX be a vehicle for your dreams? Like, how can we help you? And especially if that centers around education, it's at the heart of everything that we do. And if that, um, especially when it comes to women in underserved communities. Wow. Uh, so much to unpack. Uh, you know, there's there's one thing that I truly love, you know, Web3 communities. And, and maybe I'll be more specific. The communities that I love in Web3 have a lot of what you've been talking about from, you know, the ZeroXX community. And I think it goes to the diversity of people that make up the community. I think it's so important, you know, for there to be people from all sorts of background from, you know, this entire global group of individuals who are coming into this ecosystem and contributing. I think it's really interesting that you have human rights lawyers in the community. I'm sure there's probably one in every one, but maybe we're not, you know, identifying them very easily and facilitating a path for them to contribute. Because you mentioned the thoughtfulness of being inclusive, not just of people who may have easy access to a computer and the internet to do their own research, but you're talking about people in prison. Like that just kind of blew my mind because I don't think 
to date, unless I'm hiding under a rock, that I've heard someone talk so explicitly of, this is a community that we are serving, right? I don't want to dive too deeply just into one part of your community, but what are, what is some of the thinking behind that? Because I, I, like I said, I don't think I've necessarily heard that. Like, what are maybe some of your learnings so far? And how have you thought through, oh, these are ways to engage them so that they have the same tools mm-hmm. at their disposal to contribute to this ecosystem? So I want to say first that um, aren't just hypothetical. We are engaged in various levels of discussion with organizations on all the examples I previously gave. And also the week before uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, we had also started talking to a refugee organization to make sure that refugees also have access to this education because, um, well, actually, this is a perfect example for your to answer your question. Anytime you're dealing with a special population, so whether that's refugees, or young people or incarcerated individuals, you know, you have to curate the educational content to them in a special way, right? Because how you teach a refugee how to use crypto and web three tooling is going to be different than how you're going to teach just like a, a house mom in Atlanta or something like that, you know? And so You have to partner with local organizations that have special expertise in serving and supporting these communities. So that's the first thing. You know, we can't just like boilerplate send out our workshop and be like, okay, here's 10 hours of free crypto education. Good luck. Like that's not going to connect in the ways that we want it to connect. And the ways that we want it to connect is for it to be valuable and actionable. It's not worth anyone's time if someone can't turn around and actually do something with the information that you're providing. And be supported. And so one way that it looks for us right now is we are in the process of converting our entire educational curriculum and all of our resources into other languages because we think that the landscape of crypto education is very Western-centric. And we are committed to ensuring that women from all backgrounds have equal access to quality education and community and support. And so we're partnering with some amazing people in the space to, again, translate our all of our resources and educational curriculum into other languages. Because again, if you don't speak, I mean, there if you don't speak English, it's going to be hard to get a foothold in this space because I just do think a lot of the resources that we're seeing are taught from a Euro-Western-centric perspective. And we won't be doing that teaching. We want to empower local community leaders to teach their communities. And so we will be paying them for that work. We will be supporting them in that work. But there's something very special about being you know, taught from a native speaker and from, um, you know, someone who understands where you're coming from. Again, if we were to try to, we can use the migrant situation as a good example. We want to make sure that that educational curriculum for that population includes like, what are the best crypto apps for sending remittances? You know, what are the, what are, what are the extra security, operational security systems that need to be in place if you're going to be using, sending money, you know, across international borders um, repeatedly and things like that, which, which we don't teach in our regular curriculum because it's not necessarily compatible with our normal population, but it's something that we want to drill down hard on, you know, this specific population. And the same thing if we're teaching community members in rural Latin America, it's going, the applications that are compatible with that for them and that are going to serve them the best are going to be very different than maybe another population. And so it's really just about, like you said, being intentional, being thoughtful, make sure that we're actually creating real value 
not just lip service, partnering with local organizations that have expertise in these in these communities, paying them for their work, bringing them into this space, and and forming a bigger global community that where we, where we can all learn from each other and grow together. That's amazing. Um, I think yeah, you you captured a lot of kind of the intention behind just generally, I think the work that we should be doing. And I agree with you. I think there's a lot of very English native content. And I think that that's just because, you know, there is a huge population uh, in English speaking communities or countries, excuse me, that are maybe more engaged with this. But that does not necessarily mean that that's the do all end all. We definitely need to be mindful of the fact that a, there may there may be others who are coming into this ecosystem and are finding very little information as to how to get started. Again, doing so in ways that are responsible. Or the other is, you know, generally that they don't know about it and that we should be democratizing this space more completely by creating or giving them the act, same access that we have to understanding what this space is and to, uh, again, doing so in ways that are responsible. Yeah, and I just have to like share this. All, again, this all comes from the community. I would say about 50% of our community now has some tie or roots to to Latin um, lineages or ancestors. And so it was really from them. They were like, we love this and we want this to be in Spanish <laughs> and we will build this. And I remember one of our community members, like she's been with us from, I think our first cohort and she got all of her cousins, all of her sisters, all women into the community. And now they're all teaching the aunties and the mamas and the grandmas, like how to use crypto. And it's like, that's what we want, like to just grow that web, make those connections, help each other. Yeah, I just wanted to like share that anecdote as well. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And I think, again, that goes to making sure that you have a diverse community, because a lot of times, I think to something we talked about earlier, these people just want to come in and they want to start building, right? Because again, this is very different from the traditional, you know, working world where, you know, you need permission for everything, both from joining that company to be employed to the work that you want to do. A lot of that is, you know, permissioned. It's like, oh, this is your role. This is the work you do. But in this space, it operates very differently in terms of the way that we can onboard people more per permissionless uh, and to also uh, empower them to build however they feel will add value to the community that we already have, but also the communities that we are trying to reach out to. We just had a conversation about this in the community yesterday. We had a community event because May is Mental Health Awareness Month and mental health in the crypto space is a huge pillar of our programming. It's something that has been very important to us from day one. And I just, you know, it's we do a lot of collective processing in our community community about, you know, stuff around money, you know, it all comes up with crypto, like how you spend, how you invest, you know, are you more of like a gambler? Like, do you aim mm -hmm. into things irresponsibly? And um, it really, to your point about it being permissionless, I think that a lot of people who didn't ever feel empowered in the traditional finance space for the first time feel empowered in the crypto space. And that's what gets them so excited to jump in, to start participating, to start investing because, because of that permissionless nature. It feels like a big unlock for them. Yeah. So 
while we are still, you know, here talking, I want to encourage uh, anyone who has any questions to raise your hands. Uh, we definitely will start bringing people up to the stage to uh, share questions if you do have any. Uh, in the meantime, we'll continue the discussion here and uh, until, you know, uh, anyone who wants to. Uh, can come up here to ask questions. I guess the other thing for me is like, so XeroXX continues to build. We've heard that from the very beginning, it's definitely grown and evolved uh, with community input. What are some of the things that XeroXX hopes to do in the future, right? So there's, you're, you're, you're wishing to decentralize the project in ways uh, through like an NFT and through some sort of loyalty program. Like, how do you imagine XeroXX continuing to grow and evolve through the use of these, you know, new, I guess, technologies or, or, or incentive mechanisms to serve the communities that you already do or to serve new communities? Well, like I said before, I think education really is at the heart of everything we do. I think that will always be the biggest offering. And that is where that's kind of the seat we sit in in this space. We're not going to be building like some new blockchain. We're not going to be, you know, releasing the newest crypto app anytime soon. We, like I said, we are releasing our um, new NFT, membership NFT that's happening next month, actually. And then our loyalty token, so our on-chain loyalty token will be releasing in July. So that's kind of like some internal building that's happening. Um, and that's just to really set, set up like aligning incentives in our community and um, incentivizing more contributions. And all of that comes with scaling and growing, which is what we're going through right now, you know, six months ago, that didn't make sense for us, but now here we are and it does. And it's really, really exciting, especially to see community members pick up those projects and really project manage them. And like I said, we're partnering with some amazing organizations on converting the entire curriculum and running those first cohorts in at least two languages this year, maybe more, but right now for sure too. And then just, yeah, I mean, just continuing to bring more women into our community and empowering them as best we possibly can so that they can build. And like I said, that we can be a vehicle for helping them achieve their dreams. And so we do have women who have left their traditional jobs and started working in the Web3 space. But, you know, a lot of our community members don't have ambitions for working in this space. You know, like I want that human rights lawyer to continue doing her work. It's not on our agenda for her to like quit her job and come work in Web3 or to like become a Web3 lawyer. Like that isn't our trajectory. We just want to have, like you said, a very robust and diverse community where we can all learn from each other's varying expertise. I think we're going to be, we want to partner more with Web3 protocols because our quote unquote audience, if you will, is really still in web two and we want to be that bridge to bring them into web three we haven't been spending too much effort on the web three side but that's something i think that we are ready to do now and we are excited about doing and bringing kind of those partners into our community and making sure that we identify projects or applications that are compatible with our community and making those connections that's super exciting what else are we up to doing a lot more partnerships with other amazing um women-led organizations in this space and other women educators in this space. And we're really excited about everything that's happening in regenerative finance. So I know we're going to be doing a lot of kind of, again, finding those projects out there that feel like they fit with our community and seeing how we can work together to enhance everybody's mission. And 
I guess for me more personally, kind of on the side, I also, I consult for companies that are kind of transitioning from Web 2 to Web 3. So organizations or companies that have a very robust existing community in Web 2 that I am fortunate enough to say, look, you have an amazing product and there's a thing over here called Web3. And I really think that you can do incredible things using these, these these new tools. And so helping those communities really make that that pivot from Web 2 to Web 3. And one of those projects um, I can share about is called Thirsty Thirsty, um, which uses uh, food and wine events and other types of like activating experiences to recenter ancestral agriculture. Um, and it's we partner with different um, food producers, so that could be even like a cheesemaker or a winemaker or uh, a chef in different locations all over the world, and bringing communities together with these um, experts and also wisdom holders. And so we are um, partnering with an organization in the Colombia and Amazonas for this next. Um, phase that we're kind of going in right now. So for the next, um, for actually the product launch or the NFT launch in June. Um, So yeah, lots of exciting things. I mean, you know how it is in this space. It's just, it's never ending. (laughs) And that's a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. If you'd like to learn more about CryptoWitch and to connect with her, follow her on Twitter at CryptoWitch6. And to learn more about 0xx, please go to 0xx.io and on Twitter at 0xx community. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcast, and stay tuned for our next discussion. Yeah.